morning, everyone. Uh, on um, social media or other things, when someone's done something good these days, people like to share it, obviously. And um, if it involves other people, they often like to put like hashtag goals and something goals. There's all different types. Let me show you some examples. It could be friendship goals. Squad goals, if maybe you've been friends for a long time or uh, your friend's done something really good or whatever. You've seen, have you seen these things? Have you seen these yet? Um, what other ones have got? Parenting goals. I like this one. Uh, can you read that? Stay clear, boys. This is my dad on the T-shirt. Parenting goals. Um, relationship goals here. Yeah, this couple here having a great time. Even some people have pet goals. Um, Moss up there. So lots of, uh, lots of goals. Very funny. If you just Google that later, you'll find many uh, funny things. Did you find my... Uh, Oh. Anyway, I lost my phone, and it's got my timer on it, so you're all going to be here till 1.30, so uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, anyway, now, um, talking of weightlifting earlier, oh, thanks, um, Precious's brother is a British champion weightlifter, and this year we were watching him just before Christmas, and he was in the world championships, and he almost broke the world record. He was like so close to breaking it. And so his goal for this year is to try and break the world record. That's a pretty good goal, isn't it? Now, I remember the first goal I ever set myself. I was about maybe five or six years old. And the reason I remember this goal is because my older sister, who has always been older and more clever than I am, likes to remind me of it uh, on occasions. And it was in my school report where the teacher decided it was a good idea to get the children to set their own goals in light of their report. And this was my goal at age six, that I <laughs> will improve my spelling this year. So thank you for reminding me of that one, Rach. Um, but last year, of course, our theme for the year, our word for the year that we had was a year to grow. And um, all of us, you know, we, we set different goals for ourselves. It could be, I know some people are like, oh, I'm going to cook, try uh, new recipes each month, or I'm going to read a book a month. And then we also had some goals in our relationship with God and how we could journey and grow with him together and all those kind of things. We had some really good goals. And uh, as we were coming into the new year, uh, I felt God give me a verse for us as a church together, like flows out of what we did last year. And it's from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. And it says, let love be your highest goal. And a few weeks ago, Sarah introduced uh, a word for this year, uh, which was, as Simon just mentioned a few minutes ago, a year to love that this was a year to really focus on growing in our experience of God's love for us and how we receive God's love into our lives and how we grow in our love for others and extend that love out together as a church and into our community and into our world. And so I think that this year, this is a, a great goal for us. And I, I love this verse. It's so simple to just have that in our mind. Let love be your highest goal. And as we go about each day and as we engage with people and as we make choices and as we're in work or with family and friends or church life together or at work or uni or on social media, if we have this in our heart and mind, this verse, that whatever we do and wherever we are and in all the different situations, that as we go into it, that we let love be our highest goal in that place and in that circumstance and with those people. And I think that would make a real difference and do something amazing. Now, love here, obviously, in this verse and what we're talking about, it's not just talking about like loving feelings for our, you know, our friends or our partner and our relationships or our family. It's not talking about friendship goals or squad goals or couple goals. It's something much bigger than that. 
This love here is talking about the action and direction of our daily lives as we engage with all people in all situations and all circumstances. And it's really real and practical. And I love how Jesus explained this in the picture he gave when one time uh, the religious leaders uh, came to question him and they were trying to trick him and they were trying to get him to say the wrong thing and catch him out. And one time they came up to him and they said, what is the most important commandment? Um, and when you think about that, they're asking, you know, what's the most, what's the most important commandment? What does like God value the most, if you like, for what we can do with our lives, with all of our the gift of life that we have, and all of our abilities and talents and things that we have, and all of our resources? What's the most important thing that God would ask us to do with our lives? And Jesus says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to love God and to love people, I love that. It's so simple. What a simple focus for our lives. And when we strip away everything back and all the things that we could do, really it all comes down to Loving God and loving people. And really, that's all that God asks of us. Isn't that amazing? And the religious leaders, they wanted to justify their question. And so in Luke, he records that one of them asks, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives this famous story of the Good Samaritan where he says about a Jewish man who took a journey on the notoriously dangerous Jericho Road. And as he was walking along, bandits leaped out as they often would and attacked him and beat him and robbed him and left him half dead there in the road. And as a man is there lying, you know, beaten and close to death, down the road just happens, Jesus says, to pass by a priest on his way probably to the temple where he was going to help people in their worship to God. And the priest looks at the, at the man And shocked by it, he crosses over to the other side and continues on his journey. And then, Jesus says, the next comes on a Levite who would also be going to the temple and helping people in their worship, in their sacrifices to God. That was their job. And he sees the man lying on the road. And he crosses to the other side and walks away. And as a crowd are hearing this, you know that they'd be be shocked at it, but they also they, they might understand. Yeah, well, you know what a risk to this guy's been beaten up and left on the scene. I don't want that to happen to me. And they've crossed on over. And then, as we know, Jesus says, and then came along a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans they hated one another. They were neighboring nations and they had a long history, but they would do everything they could to avoid one another. They they hated one another. And Jesus says, but then a despised. Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, and he bends down, and he cleans the man's wounds with oil and wine, and he helps him up, and he places him on his own donkey, and who knows what journey this man was off to, but instead of wherever he was going, he takes him to an inn, and there he cares for him himself, and then it says, The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So what does does love mean? What does it mean to make love our highest goal? 
This is a great picture how it's real, it's hands-on, it's practical, it's physical, it's day-to-day. This Samaritan was going about his day-to-day life and he was a stranger. And this is what love looks like. And this is a great picture as well of the love that Jesus has shown us. That when we were broken and helpless... Jesus reached down into our lives. In Romans 5, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. That for us, you know, the Bible says how we, are, we were slaves to sin. And as we know, none of us are perfect. And we're all broken. And we've all made mistakes. And we can't break free of that on our own. And we were a slave to death the greatest enemy of humanity, death. And there's nothing that any of us can do to beat it. A slave to it, utterly helpless. But God himself came into the world as a man, as Jesus Christ, and reached down into our lives and reached down to our brokenness, just like the Samaritan. And he didn't soothe and fix our brokenness with oil and wine, but with his own life, with his own body and his own blood that was broken and shed on the cross. And Jesus died to rescue us from the power of death and rescue us from the grip of sin, and broke free from it. And because Jesus had done nothing wrong, God raised him to life again. And Jesus defeated death. And he's alive now. He's alive in heaven. And he's with us each day by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he promises us that when we put our trust in him, and we recognize I'm helpless, and yes, I've been a... I can't fix myself and I can't beat death, but Jesus, you died for me so that I could be forgiven for the things I've done wrong and so I could have a place in eternity so death won't be the end. But actually, I will live forever with you. Will you bring that into my life? And when we ask Jesus to bring that into our lives and we commit our hearts to him, he rescues us and restores us and is with us every day. Just like the Samaritan said to the innkeeper, I'll come, you know, look after this man, and if his bill runs higher, I'll come back and pay the rest. Jesus commits to walking with us every single day. It's not a one-time deal, but he walks with us every single day. He's committed with us for life, and that's for each one of us. And then as Jesus ends his story, he asks the religious leaders, so who was a neighbor? To answer your question, who was the neighbor? And they reply, the one who showed compassion. And Jesus says, well, then go and do likewise. And so for us, as we experience God's restoring love in our lives and all that he's poured into us and all that he gives to us, we too are called to let love be our highest goal as we go out into the world and as we are with one another. And so today, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be starting a new series And over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the passage that this verse flows out of. And it's a passage from 1 Corinthians. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to like translate, you know, what does this mean in our day-to-day lives today, in 2020? What does this look like? We're going to put meat on the bones. We're going to explore it together as we set this as like a, a, a goal for the next few months to let love be our highest goal. So what I'm going to do for the next 40 to 50 minutes, no, I'm joking, is... um. Just going to introduce the passage and draw a couple of things from the first bit just to launch us into the series. Is that okay? Okay, so here we go. So that was a long introduction, but it was planned long introduction, okay? Just to put you at ease, all right? So 
This passage here, uh, 1 Corinthians, it comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. And last year, I think, we did a series, didn't we, on Paul's journeys. And in Acts, you can see the time that he visited Corinth and what went on there, all that happened. And then later on, Paul is writing a letter back to the church that he started and founded there. Now, Corinth was a, a major Greek city, and it was a major trading route. It was a multicultural city in the Roman world, and it was the capital, really, of the region, even more so than Athens at that time. And it had been reestablished by Julius Caesar after Rome had conquered it some centuries before. And the life and culture there in Corinth, they had, if you like, their own understanding of what love meant. Um, And in the city there, it had a reputation, uh, a bit, it was a bit like the Las Vegas of its day. Um, it was known for, as a city of excesses, but it was probably like Las Vegas times a thousand, uh, if we're honest, you know, because we are talking about ancient Rome and things. So, for example, in Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, often uh, aligned with uh, Venus as well. And in this temple... A thousand shrine prostitutes worked and served there every day. And this was a major part of the local religion and the major part, you know, the goddess of love. So, you know, what, you know, their definition of what love is, you know, would kind of flow out of all this. And in the culture as well, life was all about power and status, like who was worth the most? Who was the greatest? You know, sometimes when... um, in, when you see these like period drama programs and films, and uh, they're all about like, oh, you can't marry above your station, and you know, gentlemen, and then like everybody else. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Have you seen these things before? And um, you know, when some people are trying to better themselves by you know, and it was all about like, you know, your name and where you're from and how much you own. And it's like, you're either a gentleman or you're not. And, you know, for the Romans, it's like, you're either, you're either rich and wealthy or you're nothing. You're either a free man or you're a slave. And it's like, that's it. That's your life. That's who you are. We, and it was very, very black and white in that, in that kind of way. And it was hard. And so in that culture, the type of love that Jesus describes where you would show like this compassion and mercy and where you would love someone like God loves us. God loves us not because we've earned it, but the love flows from God. You know, like in in life, we might say things like, oh, I I love watching the rugby or I love going to the cinema or I love, um, I don't know, what's a, a music band people love? (laughs) I love Nando's. And you love it because, um, sorry, vegans, you love it because of like what it gives to you, isn't it? The love flows out of the product itself. Like if, if you know, Nando's was horrible, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love Nando's. I would love something else instead. Does that make sense? So the love is almost like recognizing the worth of something because it, it's giving you something. Whereas God's love and the love that Paul describes, agape love, it flows from the giver. And it loves regardless of what the object is. It flows from the other way around. Does that make sense? Now, that wasn't really, that wasn't how love was thought of and conceived at this time. That wasn't the dominant idea of love. And so the love that Jesus describes is, is, is new and different. Um, and so into this environment, Paul is bringing the love and the good news of Jesus. 
And amazingly, hundreds and hundreds, you know, people discover God's love for them and, and give their lives to Jesus. But the challenge is that because of the, the surrounding culture and all that they're used to, is these ways of life and ideas, as, as, a, as a new church is growing and all this is new to them, this culture it was creeping into the life of the church and how they were together. And so in the church life, you would find that there were divisions and factions and rival groups in the church because it was so used to living about like who's the best and who's the greatest and I'm better than you and they were even like competing to be the most spiritual and like oh I'm more spiritual than you are and I've got these gifts from the Holy Spirit and it was like a competition about who could be the most spiritual and who was the best in the church and then into this difficulty and challenge Paul writes this famous passage and letter and let's look at it together this is what we're going to explore and he says this But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing." If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. And so here Paul is saying, just like Jesus did, What is most important is how we love God and love people. And it doesn't matter how gifted we are or how much money we have or what we've achieved or for the Corinthians, how spiritual they thought they were. If we don't have love, if we're not valuing people in the way that we live, then we've missed the main thing. We've missed missed the point. Just like the the priest and the temple assistant in Jesus' story. You know, they thought they were on their way to serve God at the temple. And and on that, they ignored, you know, a child of God, a person who needed help on the way. And they, they walked the other side and they missed the main thing. And so for us today, as we launch into this series, I want to kind of just highlight two things and conclude with two things. So for us today, obviously, we're in a different context to ancient Corinth. And as a church, we're not competing with one another to be the most spiritual. Um, I've never heard it. Oh, I could prophesy better than you. You do know what I mean? We're not, that's not us. We're not like that. But in our world today, in 2020, we've got our own pressures and challenges, haven't we? Things to do and places to be and stuff to get done. But in all of that, in all of that in our lives... If we can remember to keep the main thing the main thing, that at the end of the day, what matters most and what truly lasts 
as Paul says, is simply how we love those around us. And that is the main thing. And I think that's really freeing, isn't it? That when we look ahead of the year in 2020 and all the things ahead, all the things we've got to do, all the choices, decisions and exams and all, all the pressures. But if we are to know that this year, whatever else, whatever else happens, if I set love as my highest goal and if I love God and allow him to pour his love into my life and if I love people around me, then that is enough. That is enough because that's the main thing. And the second thing is imagine what our world would look like if this is how we all lived, if love was our highest goal. Imagine how that would change our world. And for each one of us individually in our daily lives, imagine what that would look like too in our relationships and in our friendships and in our workplace. You know, imagine all the office politics how that would just melt away if love was our highest goal, wouldn't it? But the great thing about this is we can bring that influence into the places that we live and the places that we work and the places that we find ourselves. And living this way in our world, it starts with us. It starts with us because we can, we can do that. And I think we've got a great example in this church with our young people. And uh, over the years, up at Penland, since so I, I've been kind of working there, doing projects and youth and other stuff for about nine years now, and Beth for about eight years, isn't it? And we do a lot of them together. And over the years, we've seen all kinds of groups and clubs and all kinds of mixes together and how they interact with one another and things. And this uh, group of young people, we always talk about regularly how amazed we are with, with them, how they are patient with one another, and they are kind to one another, and they do forgive one another when, you know, we all rub each other up the wrong way or whatever, or it's soul survivor and it's late and we're tired or whatever. And they, are, they set an amazing example, and they're so kind to one another, they all have this freedom to be themselves, and often in the groups that we see and different clubs that we work with, you can see with young people and children, you can see that their defenses are up and their guards are up. And often because of challenges in their own life, it's so sad that they're, they're often lashing out at other children. And they're like hurting each other because of the challenges they're going through. And it's so heartbreaking to see. And it's like they can't just be themselves or be relax, you know, be vulnerable because their guard is up and it's, it's, it's so hard to see. But this group is amazing because they love and forgive each other. They can just be themselves and all their different characters come out because they're all very different. And now in our, in our youth, so these guys were in youth for about five or six years and they've all like graduated now. But because they have been like this consistently all the way through and the last couple of years where they were the oldest, they've set like a culture in the whole group. And now, um, we've got about 25 who come on every Thursday, and 90 or 95% of them aren't from the church, and they're from the community. But because of the culture that these young people have set, that environment is, has remained, and it's like a legacy they've left behind them. And now we've got all different young people coming from all different backgrounds, and very different, and um, they can all like be themselves, 
and there's, there's like a peace and there's a kindness and they love one another as well, even though they're very different and there's no competing or fighting or putting one another down. And it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. I've not seen anything like it in all the different groups before, like this um, wonderful, really. And the other week, uh, just before Christmas, a few of them uh, wrote us some Christmas cards of the youth who come from the local area. And one of the girls wrote in hers something like, thank you for showing me and showing us at youth that God really loves me and welcomes me and has a plan for me. And those were her words. Like, thank you for, sh- you know, for sh- not just saying it, but for showing it. And that's, the, that's the, the way that these young people have lived with one another. Just like Simon was saying, has, has shown that. It's a real live demonstration of God's love. And I think as well, you know, that that reflects our culture as a church here together. That we do love one another. And we do want the best for each other. And we do get alongside each other and we do forgive each other as well because none of us are perfect and we do make mistakes or say the wrong thing or put our foot in it, but we forgive one another and we do these things and we're patient with one another. So I want to say to us today, let's be encouraged to keep going in this way and to grow even more because there's great power in it. There's great power and it's what our world and our community needs right now is this love. And that's why... Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So as we go into 2020, can we set this as a a goal for our our hearts and lives and have it on our mind to let love be your highest goal? Are you up for that? Great. Why don't I pray? Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much and I thank you for the way you reached out into our lives and you met us with your love and that you met us in our brokenness and that you poured your love into our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now, would you come and fill our hearts again with your love? And we ask this year, Lord, would you help us to Let love be our highest goal, that we would bring and carry your love into the world around us and the place where we find ourselves. So we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your love. And we know we can't do it in our own strength, but it flows from you to us. So we welcome you into our lives again right now. In Jesus' name, amen.